0: Listeners, it's time to bring back another recurring segment on this podcast, which was, which was that uh, the stories of me working Barnes & Noble retail and the awful, awful stories of doing it during the pandemic, uh, which you can go back and see in the various episodes I talked about,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just the awful things I had to put up. If, if You know, working retail at a bookstore is hard enough. Imagine Dewey in a pandemic, and I am not—I am not exaggerating when I say I lost my faith in humanity. Just had to put up with so many selfish, petty things okay. people had to, <laughs> were upset about in the middle of a pandemic with no vaccines. The thing is, I've kind of—I've kind of used up all the good pandemic retail stories, slash, uh, repressed the rest of them due to trauma. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably just gonna go with some of the more the, the just the, the regular retail difficulties. But first, I think I have so many of them. So Phil, you have, a, you have a question about what it's. What did you ask me about? You have some question about burning desire. What it's like to work at a bookstore? <laughs> and
1: like uh, okay, uh, did you did you make use of your your fifteen percent discount? Did you have a fifteen percent discount?
0: We got. It was not fifteen. will try to remember what the discount was. It's thirty percent off books. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten percent off everything else, like DVDs and stuff. Uh, to tell you the truth, I guess <laughs> Barnes and Noble, <laughs> I was like, getting like average 12 hours a week at most, mm. so I didn't have enough money to buy stuff to use a discount on, typically. Mm. So no, to answer your question, no, because Barnes and Noble kept us so poor, that's their plan, right? You like can't... No other worry about employees using their discount, they're too, they're too poor to begin with.
1: Okay. So then... Hmm. How would right as a as a bookstore salesperson, right? How would they go about rising a uh, rising above you know their overlords in, <laughs> in order to increase their pay?
0: A bookseller. Uh, if if I do that, I probably would still be there, to be honest. <laughs> all right. So let's tell you. Let's tell you some hard truths. Right. And this is not just me complaining about working in retail. Although, you listeners should be sympathetic mm. because, you know, the working class were the ones who were hardest hit with the pandemic. We're still suffering right now, unlike the the professional middle class agents and editors and successful comic creators. Uh, so, and I didn't find this out until after I started working. The year before I was hired, I was hired in spring 2019. In mm. 2018, Bars and Double fired the 10% of their workforce. And most of that were like the the full-time people who had been there for years and not decades. Uh, the particular one I was working at when that happened, and I was talking to someone who was there, it was working at the time, like they fired people who had been there since like the store opened. In, like the, in like, you know, fifteen years ago. Mm. Uh so to to elaborate on your question, how does one rise above the ranks? You basically have to suck up and learn to put the corporation's interests above your employees. Why do you mention that, Phil? Because I remember when I first got the job, you naively pointed out to me, hey, don't you want to be manager? Like the person at first second? Yeah. <laughs> senior editor at first second. You know, she started off working for Barnes & Noble as a manager. Then Now she's senior editor. And it's like, Phil... You know they fired all the full-time people, right? <laughs> they hardly make anyone full-time.
1: Yes, I I, I didn't na- naively say that. Um, my my naivete got the best of me because I was still I was still youthful and young and you know not as jaded about like you know the workforce.
0: Yes, I will. I will. If you want to make a apo- you want to make a public apology to me right now for your classism, um, I will take it here for the listeners. I'm good. Class-based microaggression, right? <laughs> That's what that was, class-based microaggression. That was a
1: class-based microaggression if I'm in the same class as you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, let's not over that cat of words. But you know what was on sale a lot at... The Barnes and Noble? What? Tell or me. You know what was, sorry. You know what was not on sale? Because it was probably the one of the whitest places I've ever worked. Mm. The stuff by Aaron McGruder. Woo! You know what he wrote? The Boondocks. Yes, he did. You know could buy Barnes and Noble? <laughs> <laughs> and there's. Yeah, think of all the segues I've done, that that's pretty... Yeah, that was the
1: weakest out of all of them, so whatever. Alright, so this week we're talking about the Boondocks, yeah! Yes. Alright, not the Boondocks Saints, you weirdos. Alright, this is a comics podcast, alright, we keep it to comics and comic-adjacent things, such as movies and video games.
0: All right. Funny, funny you mention that though. My 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 head. My, when I was working as a speech coach, the head coach who doesn't know anything about pop culture, he once asked me if the dog Saints was based on a movie on a comic. <laughs> at the same time, he was surprised to find out that Hellboy was based on a comic. Oh, the Hellboy. <laughs> <laughs> was just, that was weird. My reaction just me laughing at him. Oh god.
1: Well, uh, yes, yeah, like H- Hellboy. That sounds like a real, true original IP.
0: And I was like, "Do you not see like base on a comic like in the opening credits, yeah. right?" <laughs> Whereas Boondocks, Saints... anyways, Boondocks, uh, the good comic by Aaron McGruder later made into an animated show, which I think how most people are familiar with it.
1: Right. It uh came out on Adult Swim in two thousand and three, um, and I think after that it came out almost. It came out every other year. So it came out 2003, and then season two came out 2005. 2000, yeah, 2005, and then season three. No. Crap. No,
0: wait. Whatever. They can Wikipedia that shit. Right. No, wait. No,
1: no. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Because I remember it's, uh, the Boonocks came out when I was in seventh grade. All right? So that was... 2005. five, two thousand No, 2006. So I was in 8th grade. Pause. Boon came out I was in 8th grade. Because I was still in
0: high school when it, when it, when it premiered. So. Okay.
1: And then uh, Season 2 came out when I was a sophomore. Uh, so that was 2008. And then Season 3 came out when I was a senior in uh, 2010.
0: So we're going to spend today, we're talking a little bit about the comic. But what we're also going to do, uh, we're going to do this every once in a while because... Good news is we're going back to weekly episodes of the Omnibus. This is how we're gonna do it, because every other week we're gonna talk, we're gonna do something that's not just analyzing a comic. We're gonna watch and commentate three particular episodes of the boondocks that we think highlight the spirit of the comic, of its, you know, cultural satire, political satire, Mm -hmm. but also how it takes advantage of its medium. Uh, but first, let's talk about the comic a little bit, because, like I said, I think most people are not familiar that it is a comic. Uh, right. But funny enough, both me and Phil, one of the things we have in common is that we both actually have read the online sh- uh, the strips when it was still in newspapers.
1: Yes, yes. Um, and uh, I think the crazy part about like reading it in the, I think I oh, was it? reading in the New York Times. No, not the Times. The New York Post. Um, the, not the post, sorry, the daily news. That was, that was the the newspaper, not the post. The post is garbage. Don't read the New York (laughs) post because it's very right. But, um, the New York daily news every, every, every Sunday, because we would get the, the coupons for the stores and stuff. So like my sister would throw me the, the, the comics page and I would sit there and read the, the Sunday comics, uh, with the boondocks. And uh, the Boonocks, I think, originally came out in 99, um, ninety nine,
0: ninety eight. So it's there according to Wikipedia. So that's the national debut. Yes. Uh, when it got picked up by national newsprint, so it actually started in nineteen ninety six. On like it's like like many like newspaper cartoonists of that era started
1: as a university comic strip.
0: We could go into history. You guys can read it on Wikipedia. So <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah, it became a nationally syndicated one in '99. Up until 2006, tapering off right as the the show was picking off.
1: Right, and um, I think the most in- I mean, like interest. The most interesting part about it though was that like the Blue Knox Aaron, Mag- Aaron Magruder, he was very inspired by manga and anime, and I think like most people his age is like Ghost in the Shell and um, what's the other one? Akira, you know, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of. That ni- late 80s, early 90s.
1: Early 90s anime, f- anime films. So, like, he decided to draw his characters within that style. Um, if you actually sat down and read the boondocks, right, like me and Eric have, you'd realize that it's almost very similar to Doonesbury, but with black people. Um.
0: <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about the premise of it, um, which people who know the show we know. It's basically, it's about, uh, two young black children, Huey Freeman and Riley Freeman, and Huey is—I uh, said—I think he, he's named after the Black Panther, right? Yes, Huey,
1: Huey P. Newton.
0: Yeah, and their parents have died off-screen, and they're moving with their grandpa, who moves them to the
1: who moves them to the suburb of uh, Woodcrest after living in the uh, south side of Chicago for most of their life.
0: Yeah, so they move into a nice suburb that's predominantly white, uh, and very much the the comic is about. Aaron McGruddy is very much, as you can tell by the fact he names a character after one of the Black Panther. He's very, very left, very black radical. Mm-hmm. and It's a lot of political satire, making fun of you know the issues black people deal with, but also at the same time very critical of black culture itself. Um, so when so, so, for me, when I started, it became on my radar around 9 11. Mm-hmm. was uh, what brought it to a lot of Providence on my radar is that it was not afraid to. It might be like the very first comic. I think it was one of the first anything actually to start criticizing the Bush administration. Yes. Only within a few months after 9 11.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: But I play. point, everyone was like, yeah, you know. <laughs> What was I'm trying to remember all that stuff they said,
1: uh, like you know, known knowns and known unknowns, and you know, operation opera, I don't even remember what the name of the operation during that time too, because like nine eleven, I was ten.
0: Jesus Christ! Yeah, and I that was eighth grade, but yeah, that was a point where like everyone, including Democrats, were like, "We're not going to crash. We're all united," because they attacked yeah,
1: us. Oh man, fool! Living in New York during that time yeah we are we're new york strong you know they can't stop yeah. us like you know new yorkers we got to stick together um <laughs> and you know and 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 that was the, that was the big thing too cuz i i remember also like cars having the the yellow the yellow ribbon in order to support your troops i don't know if you remember that
0: no, there wasn't really as much there in my neck of the woods, oh, summer, okay. summer so, like, so yeah summer so
1: that's, that's the all the way on the other side of the west so like in new york the epicenter is, like Yellow ribbons on every single cars, and you know support
0: your troops, and you know, and, and then and then you know the Bush administration took advantage of that to launch a
1: to launch a to launch a flimsy
0: justification of of Iraq, and yes, and, you know pretty much screwed up geopolitics for uh, to now, now
1: to now yeah until now till now,
0: and that's why it came on radar because because uh, I remember Aaron Greit caught a lot of flack for like daring to criticize him within a few buds. Uh, I think I remember it's like Time Magazine articles were written about how you like made fun of Connie Rice. Yes, Lisa Connie Rice. Lisa Rice. But I'm assuming you start reading it before then, right?
1: Uh, no, actually. No. Okay. No, I started reading it right before the the cartoon show released. Um, because I mean, personally, I wasn't aware of it um until later because it wasn't really in uh our local newspaper at the time. Um. Because I think at the yeah at that point I was still living in Staten Island, um, so we didn't so it wasn't in the the local newspaper there. It wasn't until like uh, the show came out and I discovered it, and I was like, whoa, black characters in anime? Because you know I was I was on my my Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, Naruto, Zoids, Dra- uh, Mobusu Gundam things. So It was like it was all anime all the time, and to see black characters in anime. As the main focus, saying the N-word, I was like, oh, man, I got to go. I got to do
0: research. Yeah, I, I remember that I was super controversial when it came out. It was out. the most
1: controversial because it wasn't bleeped out. And that yeah. was, that was the, the most mind-blowing thing. I was like, holy crap. This is this is like I understood as a as a young teenager then. I was like, yo, this is a, going to be a shift in um, cable television simply because of the allowance of the word. And then as I started watching more TV, so, like, back in the day, I was real big into, I was, like, I want to say I was the David Iyer of comics. Because I was doing a lot of, like, critical police. (laughs) Critical of police uh, stories and stuff. David
0: David Iyer, I don't know if he's really that critical of the police. I would say it's, like, training day. But not end of watch, not so much. Yeah, not end
1: of watch, no. But I would say, like, training day.
0: Well, I guess. I mean, Train Day feels more like maybe a few bad apples in the system, but who knows? Maybe it's as much of the director and everything. But, um, to get off track, um, so you watched the show first, and that got you into the comic? No, I
1: watched the commercial for the show first, and that was <laughs> got me into the comic.
0: <laughs> wow. Alright. So, the so right there, so basically the comic, like, it's essentially a vehicle of Amber Gruden's own social views. There's not really a plot as I recall, no, there right? Was a, no, there was no, no. It's just more of like a Huey, just being angry and just criticizing something.
1: Yes, I mean because like during that time, you also have to understand like it was a, it was thinking about nine eleven is almost similar to like the pandemic because it was almost like breaking news every day, and. Mm-hmm. I remember as a as a kid, right, they the news cycle was on twenty four hours and it was the most frustrating thing in the world as a kid with no cable because it was like, yo, I just wanna watch Yu-Gi-Oh!. Why did it keep showing these planes crashing into these buildings? Like that it was very it was very irksome. But you also have to remember I was ten, so I didn't really understand. Um
0: same, same deal. That's how I discovered Knight Rider. Say what? That's how, because the only, when I was like trying to watch something, and I just, I just don't want to see the, the goddamn planes hitting the, the towers over and over. It was really disgusting how the news just finishized that. But I, I was like, I was channel flipping. The only thing I found that wasn't showing that was a local channel that was playing reruns of Knight Rider. That's how I discovered Night Rider. Oh wow! Okay, I was like, "Yeah, talking talking car, Michael Haffl." <laughs> See, cause that was, the,
1: but that was that was the big thing. That was very frustrating to me, and um, it was the so like to be able to you know feed off of that like twenty four hours news cycle over and over you know, breaking news, oh, you know, the president decided to um, invade Iraq in order to, you know, get the Taliban and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, every day, because it was a news story, it allowed for the Weekly Strip to continue to go and go and go because we have all this political commentary, not just from, um, from, not just within, not just about the Bush administration, but specific people within the Bush administration. So it came after George Bush, it came after Condoleezza Rice, it came after Dick Cheney, it came after Donald Rumsfeld, it came after after, um, Colin Powell. It came after almost everybody within the administration.
0: And the other notable thing is that um, and this is I think this is what the show picks up on more because just by the nary nature of producing a show, you can't be as topical. Is that the Boondocks is also Eric Gruden is also very critical of black culture as well. Mm-hmm. Right, because um, there's a lot of making fun of, mocking a lot of black celebrities who he feels are just not Really advancing, you know the culture. Yeah, the culture representing the people well. Some of the very more infamous episodes, like R. Kelly R. and R. all Kelly that.
1: Episode, the the usher yeah. episode. but also,
0: really but also, it's about in the characters. We can talk about because as it, much as it is just Huey just talking and being a mouthpiece for Aaron Grunder, this also has a kind of interesting supporting cast that show like different points of of Black people, Black culture all across the. Uh, the spectrum, Spectrum, yeah. So he's got his younger brother Riley, who's like the, the wannabe gangster. He's a wannabe
1: gangster. He's he's caught up in like the idea of like you know the gangster life. Um, he takes on the the nickname of Riley Escobar, which is supposed to be uh, made after not Nas Escobar, who also took it from Pablo Escobar because you know um, back in the I want to say mid 90s was a lot of uh a lot of rap was um pivoted toward like mafioso uh cartel cartel life so that's what he was taking inspiration from um and then you have granddad who is you know jebediah freeman uh no sorry robert jebediah freeman who lived through the uh, civil rights era um and was in a lot of pivotal uh pivotal places during that time but even though he contributed, he never really got his moment to shine. Um, for example, being on the bus with Rosa Parks and deciding not to move their seat, but everyone gave their attention <laughs> to Rosa Parks and everyone ignored him.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like what I like is that he he's kind of that. It's like almost a spoof of like the like old black activist, but he's like he wasn't really interested in it. He just went to like just like leave me alone, let, let me just live my life, right.
1: And then, of course, and then of course, there's the larger spectrum where we introduce also from the comics like um, Tom Dubois, his wife Sarah, daughter Jasmine, which is an interracial couple with their uh, mixed daughter Jasmine, um, who is.
0: And they, and they get a lot. Of, and they get a lot of marriage making fun of like because Tom Dubois is much more moderate than Huey.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, way out. Yeah, way more moderate. Like if he is like literally centered like he is he is centered and um jasmine is uh you know a young girl who's struggling with her her identity both as um a child of black and white parents um we also get introduced so
0: just, she's also like the one that's actually like a kid
1: yes yeah, she's also like a kid
0: <laughs> like she's super naive and sheltered whereas huey obviously does not
1: yeah he, he's he's seen some things um, yeah. and you also get the introduction of other characters, other children as well. So you get Cindy um who is this uh white girl who becomes friends with Jasmine but is also really fond of um black culture as well. Um because like a running Oh, so
0: it's like making fun of like the white people who appropriate and relate black culture pretty right. much.
1: And then like cuz a running joke would be like um Jasmine is like, oh, wow, you're black. You, I guess you must look like, you kind of, you do, now that I look at it, you kind of look like Mariah Carey, because again, <laughs> like, you know, Mar- Mariah Carey is some sort of black, I, I don't know, um, somewhere in there, um, and then then another supporting character that was introduced was uh, Michael Caesar, who was Huey's friend, he was the foil to uh, Huey, uh, he was a kid move, he moved from new york actually he moved from brooklyn um, same political views as huey and everything but the only thing was he was way more laid back and was more yeah, willing... yeah he wasn't as much of a dick yes. as huey was so he was more willing to be like yo it is what it is but you know i'm still i, I still talk about it too and he was also an aspiring um, mc as well but all his all his raps were jokes essentially and then And
0: very notably like the one character who doesn't really show up in the in the cartoon. Yes. Like I think one episode, but No, he never he never showed up at all. Really I thought it was just one episode when 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 he briefly go back to Chicago and he visits his
1: That was that was a that was a different friend. That was a friend named um what's it uh Hyru Hi, I think.
0: Okay, because I know he, there's a joke he makes like the other friend who's like a black radical like Huey, quote unquote, the replacement. But except he's going like
1: you know, slavi eggs and bacon, my brother. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, that was uh, that was Hyrule. But the okay. um see, but like that was the big thing too, because reading the comic before the show, I was like, Oh, snap because Michael Caesar was my favorite character just because, you know, he was from New York and he, you know, was also like he, he was he was the I wouldn't say so much the straight man because that was Huey's role, but like, you know, he had jokes and I found them funny. So it was very disappointing to think like, oh, man, he didn't show up in season one. Oh, he's going to, oh, this is season two. He's going to show up in season two. Oh, he's going to show up in season three, but he never shows up. And then um, the one last character was uh, Hiro. Not Hiro. Yeah, Hiro. Hiro. Asian kid. He was a DJ. I think he only appeared in like a handful of comics and then we never see him again.
0: Do you remember any notable, like really notable storylines or notable uh, things they they tackled in the comic? Uh,
1: Let's see. So the big one I remember because also in two thousand, I think two thousand one was the release of uh, the Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. So there was a whole like series of Huey standing in line to go watch the Phantom Menace, and he was arguing (laughs) with this this uh, fat white guy. About like the political aspects that they were trying to showcase in, oh, in the fan of like the, the Jar Jar thing and the Jar Jar thing as well. Yeah. Um. Another one was the uh was uh criticizing Donald Rumsfeld about like his uh his action the actions taken within within Iraq. Uh. Another critical story like storyline was um. Damn, what was another one? It was episode two. Like, so Aaron McGruger' is a big Star Wars fan, apparently. So I remember there was also commentary on uh, episode two as well.
0: Uh-oh, Attack of the Clones. So
1: yeah, Attack of the Clones. And so
0: there's one that I—it's not really a storyline, but it's like a joke because like the old Jasmine disappeared from the comic for a long time, mm-hmm. and then when they came, when she came back, they explained it as that she was afraid of the terrorists. And that's why she was gone for like oh, <laughs> literally yeah, two years.
1: I, I I remember that. So yeah, it was so it was very very political, very political book. Um, but then super
0: controversial, which is so funny because the issues they the history is look a lot more kindly because Aaron Magruder was writing about a lot of things. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, I remember reading an article. It's like he made I don't know. I think it was in the comic. He made some joke about like Condoleezza Wright needs to get a date. And then it's like apparently at some dinner or something he actually ran it into her mm-hmm. or something like that. And I guess she she shrugged it off. Um, because I mean I don't know about now. I don't know I don't know what how what his views, have she, how would she shifted or not shifted, and recruit now. Although he's got all the NFT trains, so you can probably take a guess for yourself,
1: everyone. Yeah, like because I I remember like a real real big things um was that like as aaron mcgruder uh got more popular with the comic at some point he stopped drawing it himself and hired an artist to draw it so all he did was like essentially write the words and someone else drew it um and then i want to say two years ago yeah about two years ago they started to re-release the comic again but with um the character designer and storyboard artist uh, song Song um, yeah, from the show, which yes, which was more focused on like uh, Uncle Ruckus becoming some sort of political uh, political figure, and yeah, yeah, like, very
0: definitely them. more commentary on you know the Trump on the era. Trump
1: administration, right? And that's what the new series was supposed to, the new uh, animated series was supposed to be based off of, but um, it it fell flat at Sony, but I think one of the biggest highlights from that era was um carl johnson carl, uh, not carl carl johnson yeah carl johnson jones carl jones um executive producer on the show he did like a uh a spoof video of like people insulting so it was like a whole group of gangsters like in front of a barnes and nobles in la with a whole bunch of barnes and nobles with a whole bunch of boondocks books and they were like yo i'm gonna i'm gonna take a shit on this book yo this book is wagging he's like kicking in the streets and it was very it was very funny
0: Let's see. That's how our segue... It ties back into my segue. Like it goes flat and all along. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we should get started on our watching of it because the strips are they're hard to find, and because they're so topical, they're they haven't aged super well. Oh yeah. I think one advantage of the show because of the production time, you have to be you have to touch on much more broader topics. It also increased the comedy a lot more. Like it was a lot less. Overly political and much more comedic to show us age, pretty good.
1: Right, because um, because especially the first season, which was kind of rough, like they had a whole entire episode on the R. Kelly trial, which happened like several years before, um, and stuff like that. So, like, I think what they had to do was they had to get more, like you said, more broad within their comedy, but at the same time, um, they like they were taking in memes before like memes were really a thing. Especially we yeah. see within season three, like um. What's his name? My man's name. The the kid who's smoking with cigarettes. So like that. That was a that was a big meme. You know, he wanted to do hood rat things with his friends.
0: Oh, is that the one that has the juice parody at the end? It was the juice Halloween. Oh, because that that one—that's the episode that totally went over my head the first time I watched. Because I hadn't watched Halloween or Juice. Yes. So. Then you had to explain explain the Juice reference to me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's get started. Let's go with uh, episode one of season three. Of season three, it's a black president, Huey Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> this is one that I'm looking forward to. So let's go. Three, two, one, boom. So this is actually one of the more satirical episodes. Um it's released not that long after Obama got elected. I wanna say it's probably when he got inaugurated. I would say
1: it was a no, it was like a year, a year after. A year or two. Because he got he got elected in what was that, two thousand eight?
0: So I didn't know who it was at the time. I get it now. It's Werner Herzog, the German filmmaker, yes. making a documentary about you know America's reaction to elect- electing the first Black president. But specifically, it's around why is Huey not not happy at all, and it's really funny because i it's been a while since I watched this. The first time I watched it, when I was just uh, naive, l- slightly left the center liberal in college, and I was just like, I don't, I don't get it. Why? He just comes off really grumpy to me, and now being much much more left <laughs> and kind of agree with all the points in 2022 is like, oh yeah, this is totally he was right. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he was right. Oh gosh. So let's. I'm kind of curious, Phil. How was your, what was your reaction like for you when Obama won back in 2008? Uh,
1: you were you were still in high school, right? I was still in high school. Yes. Um. The idea was like, okay, cool. We got a black president. Um. But at the same time, I was also very cynical because I, I mean, I, I mean, I still don't believe in any like you know political uh person. Uh, but as someone growing up within the inner city of New York, I just knew that Republicans were worse. So that's mm-hmm. that's all that was
0: see that's really funny i get that viewpoint now in 2020 because I, now i was that person in, in 2020 and i have people like shaming me for like no you gotta vote for Pi harm reduction i mean like f all that crap mm-hmm. but that whole point of view was so foreign to me in 2008 because me being four years ahead four years older than you, i'm in college but it's most it's very mostly white everyone's very liberal. But even what few black people there were were also totally on board for Obama, mm-hmm. uh, because you know I grown up with the Bush stuff under high school and I just I understood how bad it was, and I kind of bought into that like hype and energy that things are going to be different. So yeah, this, this is great. Yeah, as a black African American negro, are you really excited or are you extremely excited <laughs> <laughs> that everything is going to change forever? Uh. <laughs> And I remember reading Magruder's reaction to Obama as well. And he was also like pretty much this is what he essentially Huey's the same reaction. Like he just uh, he, he was very skeptical that anything was gonna change. And you know what? A lot of fundamental problems didn't change.
1: See, like the thing about th- about this too, because I didn't realize who this guy was as well, but like I mean it was funny, but I didn't but like a lot of it was going over my head because I didn't understand it either. Um, but like watching it over and over again, especially when I was in college, I was like, oh snap, this, this makes all the sense. Cause, um, one of my favorite Dave Chappelle skits is Black Bush, where it's like, imagine if, um, all the people within like the political, within the Bush administration and like, you know, UK and stuff were black. So it was Dave Chappelle, like Black Bush. Um, he was like, oh, they asked him, why did you invade Iraq? He's like, "Do you want me to be real? I will be real. They tried to kill my father, you know, back <laughs> back in the day."
0: <laughs> so I know you said you were pretty skeptical, but was like the other black people, your friends and family were they how did they feel? Were they like were they were they on board the train of
1: Oh, I mean, they were also very skeptical as well. I think at one point my dad thought he was like a plant.
0: Wow. <laughs> wow, this this is kind of blowing my mind cuz like I said a few people I knew back then, and even today, right? There are still people who are like, really, that was great, a great accomplishment. But then these are all the same people. Who are all about like they're they're I like, a they're all very middle class, they're upper middle class, even rich, you know, highly educated, and their big thing is all like you know I my son Tanahisi Coates, right? My son has someone to look up to and be president, and I'm just like, yeah, you know what's more important, like you know, student debt, or the housing crisis, and all these other things that Mama didn't really solve. <laughs> I remember, I, had, I have... Because most most of us were all partying. Not really. I wasn't really, because I'm not really a party guy. Mm-hmm. I knew a few people who were like the Huey, who were very left, and they were all, like, not particularly happy, because he was like, oh, you know, all these corporate donors, all these, like, especially these credit card companies back Yeah, right. At the time, I didn't really get it. Like, what are they odd about? But... Now I'm just like wow they were they were ahead of the curve
1: there. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a weird slippery slope. Um, like to really to really think about.
0: because well, also the other thing is the only criticism we did hear was from like people who were actually racist.
1: Yes, which was like on the opposite side. But uh, like I mean, it's funny because I think even even Blackish touches on touches on on it too when. Um, when he was elected and they're doing the inauguration and he was in the car and he decided to step out of the car and walk beside walk alongside it, right? I think that was also a moment to give pause because they were like, yo, like you're in the middle of this big old crowd. And like you know, anything can happen here. Like you, you could get shot at any point in time, especially because of like how loud you know these these um racist, racist chats were doing and everything. So like it, it was a very it was a very even though skeptical, it was still a very scary time because you know I still wouldn't want to see anybody die on TV. But luckily that did not happen. So I was like, all right, cool. And I guess that also softened my I- ideology as well.
0: Yeah, I man, you soft, and then they took advantage to of you. Or, or, when Biden comes up, we're Biden in 2020 uh. anyways uh, what I do like about this episode is that they take that he takes that he has a really good idea of like taking the critique but making a lot of comedy out of it by Larry and the reactions of everyone else around him
1: mm.
0: like we just saw the Dubois of course they're like really excited but it, it I guess it barely helped them with their uh, their marital issues <laughs> for, <love> for Obama <laughs> And then we have uh Uncle Ruckus here uh throwing a brick <laughs> at Santa. So this let's talk about him. Because this is he was an original creation for the cartoon. Yes. Uh I know he was probably the most controversial element a lot of people didn't get the joke. Um I'm assuming you got the joke. You got the joke.
1: Oh yeah, right, immediately.
0: I'm assuming am I would I be far as saying there are there are black people who really do think and act like him.
1: Uh, more than likely, you know? More than likely. Because when you think about it, too, right? Because it's um, a big thing that they used to, uh like, during the, the insurrection was, like, showing, oh, here are these leaders with the of the Proud Boys with their black wives or, you know, stuff like that. It's like, whoa, that's crazy, so. Oh,
0: know. yeah, this is great. The Thugnificent, uh, they didn't, the word didn't exist back then. But basically, Thugnificent just got woke <laughs> Yes, feels <laughs> like literally at the beginning of this documentary, he had no idea who Obama was, and now he's just like, "Oh man, I'm on, I'm on the train," you know, "I'm all," and he's just like pretending as if he was always supporting all along.
1: Yes, and it was also like the the cultural shift as well because then he stopped wearing the baggy clothes and he started wearing like the tight suits and stuff, and started using auto tune. And um, like he went, he went as far as like, yo, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call, you know, all my people, Obamas and my bitches, Michelle. He's like, you know, what about bitches' name, Michelle? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's because uh, that's the other thing too. We were talking about, you know, the good Asian last week, and like, yeah, Obama in many ways was like that respectability politics image a lot. Why a lot of people really liked him, black and otherwise, uh, and some people, and like some people didn't. Um, and then, of course, you know, he kind of repudiates that by saying, Yeah, hey, I listen to Jay-Z. Mm. He did the third-off-the-shoulder pose, which, I'll be honest, at the time I thought was cool. Wow. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, you also have to compare it to George Bush, who was just, like, very sheltered, very Christian, completely out of step with, like, any the average person, let alone forget, like, the young person, right? Right. And then, you know, now I'm older and wise and I realize, yeah, this means nothing, <laughs> you know? But this song was great. Well, yeah, I am doing oh, yeah. Dick Riding
1: Obama. The yeah, Dick Riding Obama. That man. I I remember in high school where people would like just would be just randomly singing the song because of how catchy it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Because it was like um, it was this song, and um, I don't know if you had Optimum cable in. Um, in California, but that was also another song that was that was sung as well. And then every time I see this, like I was like, Who's this white guy dancing? I guess is that supposed to be like George Clooney?
0: I'm not sure. I thought that was the I thought that was um uh I thought that was Werner Ruzog, but maybe not. Oh uh... <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. We should, I should we should probably check so we don't lose our credit. But there's also the joke. that Werner Herzog, he makes a bunch of these great documentaries. Um, people might, uh, pre, the average person probably knows the best as the villain in Jack Reacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's like, talking about, like, he had to chew off his own, he was in a cool Iberia I he had to chew off his own fingers when he got frostbite.
1: Oh, well. He was also the bad guy in the, the what's it called the first episode? Oh, of, the Mandalorian. Of the of yeah, I yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I would like to see the baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's all he's a great filmmaker though, uh, and that's why if you if anyone watching, I I went to go watch like a, a film festival of Herder Song back when I was still in L.A. And then between the episode, between the movies, they would play this episode. Mm because <laughs> it, it actually is him it's a lot funnier so that's the other thing about the the anime that or the cartoon over over the comic strip is that there's a lot more you can tell his love of film and and stuff ever gruger comes out more oh yeah. a lot of people show up as themselves and make a lot of spruce on that
1: oh yeah definitely.
0: Uh, it's also the, the great thing i love that grand granddad is like oh yeah like like as if he, as if he himself personally was involved,
1: right? It was like getting he, Obama nothing. elected. But yeah. I think another thing, like to realize like during this, um, the um, the election, the election night where he got elected, um, is like the two opposite sides of the spectrum, Huey and Uncle Ruckus, like just being like blah about it. And uh-huh. you know, uh, Uncle Ruck is approaching Huey, saying like, hey, "Look, we're we're the only look, we're the only two who, who's not excited about this. We see what's happening." And you know, Huey just walking away, realizing like, "Yo, yo, you're just crazy. We're not. It's not about the same things that we have." Um, but I mean, I also still rem- remember too, like you know, the villainization of Obama, right? Because everyone like you know the birther theory. And, um, you know, trying to, like, his middle name, like, you know, Hussein. He, you know, we just fought Saddam Hussein and, you know, things like that. Oh, look at this. He's got a Soul Train line going on.
0: Yeah. And it's it's just, it's really even funnier to watch this now because they try to do the same thing with Kamala, <laughs> right, when he was running. But not even close to the amount of energy in general, but especially from the left for her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the only people who were really that excited, I'm gonna be honest, I saw a few I saw a few comic female comic creators all about Kamala, and I'm gonna say they were basically like Sarah Dubois here. <laughs> Alright. You 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 know who you are. And if you know what anyone listening, do your homework. <laughs> 'Cause all you gotta do is look through their political tweets and all that. This is a great part, right? <laughs> Granddad didn't even make any contributions to his campaign. No, he didn't. <laughs> so I knew someone kind of like him He was just like cashing in on the celebration But he didn't do anything He was an asshole He was asshole guy I was friends with Kosh college, and not friends with him anymore He didn't even vote But he was like Celebrating at the party <laughs> I am just like What an <laughs> Like He was just such an asshole
1: mm. It's still free advertising. we wear it outside like that. That was funny. And then now you got you know Thugnificent using his whole name out here trying to be an activist and not and not knowing what the hell he's talking about.
0: Although that Riley there was a little looked a little off model, which was really odd. <laughs> that's the other thing too, isn't it? Uh, the, the cartoon, the comic strip Riley, they changed his hair to be like. Yeah, the show Riley. Yes,
1: because originally he had a he had a Caesar, and then um, later on he they changed it to match the the corn rules.
0: Yeah. Uh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Everyone everyone's just like giving Huey a hard time, just saying eh. But <laughs> not only is that like you know now we get why he's not excited, but they're also just like trying to cash in Obama's image with all this merchandise and whatnot. Oh yeah. I'm I'm like man. That that really that really does blow my mind. That I I I just assumed that like you growing up at that time, you, like everyone everyone was everyone you would have known was on the Obama train.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I mean, like there was there was pockets and everything because like you would see like the older older uh, people who were excited, but like overall, like especially as um, a junior in high school, it was like you know whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It makes sense, the other generation. Those are the people who are kind of strongest against Birdie and strongest for Biden. Yeah. Uh, You doomed us. You doomed us all.
1: (laughs) And then now you got Uncle Ruckus out here just making it worse, and they all jump in.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot. I I, I forgot there's a little bit of continuity that Granddad's car is still, like,
1: The one from the the Pimp My Ride episode. Uh Uh-huh yeah but also a thing i want to point out too is like the uh the animation uh graphics completely changed from season one to season three um it's much better first of all the the facial expressions are not as stiff um they started to really get they really started to like really push forward the um the expressions of like the older characters as well as like Huey and Riley, because before I would say they had like really boring faces. Oh look, like they're burning him in effigy.
0: Um, yeah, I was just like, oh, this, this basically they canceled him before cancel culture was a thing, right?
1: And, um,
0: and it's, not, it's, not, it's not even that he hates Obama; he's just indifferent.
1: And it's it's so crazy rewatching this, and it's like, wow, like it's essentially like history repeating itself.
0: Exactly right, because so this is. Your, <laughs> yeah. Are you worried about your wife having less sex with Obama? <laughs> so, did <laughs> you know a lot of people who went to the inauguration? Because I knew people who actually, like, missed school to go to the inauguration. No, I don't know anybody. Okay, yeah, I knew people in college, yeah, they missed school uh, to go, go to it. Dang,
1: uh, and so they went from all the way from California to go all the way to D.C. to go watch the inauguration?
0: Yeah, yeah, they got they got tickets and all that. Dang, that's crazy. Because, you know, it's that historic moment and whatnot, and. You know those people that's all they have that's all they have now because like nothing I'm sure I'm sure well I think I'm sure the people I know who are the biggest I'm sure they're doing fine now because they have I presume they're like senior whatever some nonprofit and making like 120k <laughs> you know raising awareness for the kids in Sudan or something <laughs> oh,
1: that's, that's that's crazy specific uh I
0: mean like where I went to school was so performative, it's so such performative activism, so woke. Before you know, before we had these terms existed. So. Uh.
1: <laughs> uh. So here on the screen we have uh, Granddad finally receiving his uh, VIP tickets to go to the inauguration, especially with the the ball with uh, Beyonce, and him and him and Riley go. <laughs> Go get ready to drive down to DC. Um, I think the crazy part about it too was the the amount of traffic. It was like, Oh my god, everyone got a ticket and I'm going to Miss Beyonce. As Huey packs up to go to uh what's it yeah, play, like, Canada? Like,
0: we're, we're, like what yeah, it's like what place does a domestic terrorist have in Obama's America? Right. <laughs> That's how radical he really was. Right? Like like what are the things he does? He, he like gets the black power glove. The fight against like like literally it's like an electric glove. Uh he he never go he, I think he doesn't like try to bomb someone. No. He, he doesn't bomb someone to show, I mean, he does some like fairly radical stuff, right?
1: Not really. It's not really shown. Like the most is the, the is the fight with Bushido Brown, but he was trying to save essentially save Oprah. By stopping his brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a
0: whole, like... No, I knew, No, he was trying to, like... There's, like, the imprisoned... The unjustly imprisoned black activists. He was trying to break him out. Yes,
1: his, yes, he was trying to break out his his friend.
0: Yeah. Uh, and he, like, went pretty far, but he got stymied by the fact that he's a kid. So, like, that's... Yeah, so it's, like... It's a little bit of an exaggeration, but, yeah, he's very much, like, in the vein of, like, the black radical, which... You know, their message, I mean, I'm not the best person to speak of it, but definitely got a lot, a lot of it got forgotten and co op by, you know, centrist and whatnot. Right. In and, and, and maybe, maybe it's getting picking up now. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, I do like this that I forgot that Bill Mayer, man, this is also, this is also a Count this is also the time when I still, I still thought Bill Mayer was cool. Uh, I'm a little ashamed that I watched a lot of his show. Mm. Uh, and now, you know, I, I'm not one of those people who are like, you know, there's some there's some liberals who really dwell on like, oh, I used to be a big fan of this, and then later they, I discovered they were really problematic, you know? I'm not one of those people because I think that's just kind of dumb for a lot of reasons. It's a lot of performative, you know, self-flagellation. But when it comes to Bill Mayer, it's like, yeah, I really do I really feel guilty that I used to like him back in the day.
1: I mean, like, I guess... To be
0: fair, he wasn't. He this is before he, he went off the deep end. Yeah, when, he like, did
1: go off the before. deep end. I think it's kind of crazy. Like his, his show is still running on HBO.
0: Yes, I mean still popular. There's still people who like that stuff. But yeah, he definitely went off. That is true. He was probably at, at least actually liberal at that point, and then now he's now he's just kind of an asshole, pretty much <laughs> <laughs> with no real real beliefs yes. and ideology. And oh uh, well, yeah, we all got VIP tickets. <laughs> yeah man this this is really taking on a new meaning now of like the police like tasting tasting no me, bro yeah yeah. this this, is, this does not mean the same thing as it did now
1: I mean but also I think this this uh what's it called uh it was also during the like just before the time of like the full on Occupy Wall Street as well um cause I think that's last... right
0: guess right Obama got elected right when the financial meltdown happened
1: exactly so it was like you know the ninety nine percent, and
0: also no, yeah started to pick up, and would eventually come to pick up Steve like halfway through his first term mm. and all that twenty twelve, and yeah there we go like now now this is what Big Granddad turns out to say like he's gonna raise his taxes. He did get into the inauguration, and then Brock is like I already I he works for the feds, you know.
1: <laughs> yes, he is the feds.
0: Yeah, that was that, that whole, well, I guess, no, I guess you weren't, you weren't, yeah, you couldn't vote, so, uh, I guess no one gave you shit about, like, you yeah, had to vote for him because you're black and he's black. Oh, yeah, yeah, I
1: could But,
0: the, so, you obviously weren't old enough to vote. Did you know people who were doing that?
1: Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> more, than,
0: more than likely. I mean, I'm be honest, when, like, Andrew Yang was, like, running, I was like, I know how you feel now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and oh man, like that guy, whew, the the his, his yeah brain. yeah. You want to talk? About,
0: I forgot to mention the last. One. You want to talk about good Asian Terrence Chang? That's your good Asian, and not in a good way.
1: Uh, like Andrew Andrew Yang, man, just you, know, you just uh, this this is this is specifically focused to you, man. Politics is not your thing. You talk a good game. <laughs> And that's about it. You you have no type of backing behind it whatsoever. Stop it. New York doesn't. <laughs> New York does not want it.
0: I'm just letting you know. Well, some New Yorkers apparently do. Uh,
1: trust me. When the they rich,
0: the rich ones, the white ones, and the Asian ones.
1: <laughs> uh, well, the Asian ones need to check again to make sure because I'm pretty sure it's going to hurt them too.
0: Yeah. So that was uh It's a black president, Huey Freeman. Man, that was that was our old trip watching that now twenty
1: twenty two. Oh yeah.
0: Alright. So we're gonna do the next episode, the Red Ball. Uh, I think this is one of the more one of the more well known episodes of, yeah, of the
1: one Boonocks. of the more well known episodes because uh you know with the Boondocks, the way they they tend to pitch it as this um action packed show, which is not really the case, it's more commentary, but the Red Ball in particular um is pays homage to samurai shampoo um yeah
0: which uh is well, he's actually such a big fan and grooder he made he changed the season 2 opening no season 1 opening credits are like samurai shampoo season Champloo. 2 more like that. samurai season 2 are like bebop yes but yeah you can tell he's like this is his anime anime uh influence coming in yeah uh Yeah, so uh, Baseball Blues, right? The famous baseball episode. Yes,
1: Baseball Blues. So I think this one is interesting because it's uh, Ed Wunsler, who's um, analogous to George Bush Sr., uh, makes a bet with this uh, Chinese corporate uh, CEO um, about a bet for, uh, I think,
0: what is it, a, a dollar?
1: Or something? Some, some yeah, it's not really
0: that. I, I, I remember thinking like it's very it's a lot like uh, Mr. Birds and the other nuclear power plant owner. Right. <laughs> over the baseball.
1: Over. Uh, let's get
0: let's let's let let's get let's get let's get, get started you can keep talking. Okay. Let's go. three, two, one. Oh, I forgot I had to go to the main base. Three, two, one, let's go. Uh because the Boondock does a lot of commentary, but it also alternates the like there's episodes where there's not a lot of commentary, it's just having silly fun. And this is one of those episodes. Where it's more about having silly fun.
1: Oh yeah, and this 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 was this is honestly my favorite episode. I think out of the entire series.
0: Yeah, I mean the, my next favorite is coming up after this. But yeah, this was uh, <laughs> this is this is just like more. I think mean, you can tell this is just what Aaron Ragruder. Him, he, he just like having fun with the animation medium, and uh, was he just play around that sandbox? Because we're gonna be talking about that next week sneak preview about the difference between different mediums and what you can do mm-hmm. Uh it was also kind of at this point I had watched Samurai Champloo so I got the joke oh okay uh, did you, you you did you know Champloo at this point oh yeah definitely I I,
1: I, I like I I love Samurai Champloo I've read all the comics I've read I've, I've seen all the I've seen the entire series at this point did you like, play the game
0: huh? <laughs> you play the game
1: and I play, I own the game.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: Samurai Sample Sidetracked. Is it good? It's it's all right. It could have been better. But, you yeah, <laughs> know, it's, it's a video game based off a show. Those are never that great, except for the uh, Dragon Ball Z Budokai games.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, and then also, I think, this air being a little ahead of the time is like the commentary of, it's kind of an implication of like, yeah, it's talking about the relationship now I guess strained relationship between the US and China right which is strained but incredibly dependent on
1: <laughs> on each other
0: oh yeah oh yeah he never yeah I guess I like this like this bit that uh that he used to be a big kickball you know uh, amazing kickball star back in the day and then he quit so he, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to hurt anyone ever again
1: yeah it's cause he gave he gave some little girl a limp cause they were about to cause they were cheating
0: It reminds me of, uh, well, first of all, Recess did did this exact storyline. Like, one of the kids used to be a great kickball star, and he retired because he hurt someone.
1: (laughs) Oh, did they? Man, it's been so long since I have seen Recess.
0: Yeah, uh, this is a recurring, like, sports, like, warrior type of storyline. Like, South Park made the same joke about Butters being a tap dancer, and he got people killed. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I, I get like this, this particular story is this it has to be based on a, on a some kind of old movie or old story. Mm. Let's see, let's look at that.
1: I think I think the most amazing part about this is that this ten year old boy threw the kickball with enough force to send this girl flying to the fence. <laughs> like I think that was that was the most incredible part about this, and like once I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, this episode is gonna be good.
0: Yeah, did you play kickball as a kid growing up, in elementary school, middle school? Oh yeah, definitely. Loves kickball. Uh, like, like playing we kickball. We used in to play it a bunch favorite. in elementary. I think. They, I think they phased it out later on. Maybe I guess I don't know. I guess I guess I guess maybe people were abusing it and using it to actually hurt people.
1: I thought that was that was uh, that sounds more like dodgeball.
0: Maybe I don't know. Uh, my my memories of of. Of, of that time are, are very yeah. repressed. Okay, here we go. Oh, <laughs> this, this is a this great this show.
1: The, Shaolin, the Shaolin Soccer.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you can also tell, Eric Gruder is also a huge fan of Kung Fu movies, martial arts movies. <laughs> and yeah, this is... Uh, <laughs> and he's talking about how he... And this is the, the next episode. You can see his love for martial arts movies comes in, but yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah no, I, th- I, th- I thought that entire sequence was funny because his, uh, his, his great grandfather goes to uh Wudong China to mm-hmm. and finds these shaolin monks playing kickball but he he names it Jap baseball
0: <laughs> yeah because about how racist he is and there we go he's got like his his little ringer here we see later on this white little white girl
1: yes as she starts to starts to dance so they made up the made up the permanent lip story to give him emotional drama I mean emotional damage.
0: Yeah yeah, so he so to get to get him to get him to quit the game, but now he needs him. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh I forgot and I think we'll be more clear once we see the actual game. I forgot there's also uh, not just Samurai Champion but Shaylon Soccer Homages.
1: Yes. And I think uh this was interesting too because they introduced this um Blackwater Blackwater group and a bunch of like, yeah, kids the, from the, the Dominican Prime, Republic. The
0: <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> private kickball contractors. Oh, God. <laughs> it's definitely one of the better, like, peak blue ducks the show. Like, even the sailor episodes are still a little bit of commentary.
1: Yeah. And, um, which is funny because, I mean, again, like, it's a commentary on baseball because, like, Dominican players are dominating, uh, the Major League Baseballs. Um, he's over here threatening Huey to show him in these, like, tight pants and Kanye shades and a Louis Vuitton shades. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And then he goes, like, that's photoshopped. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I was going to ask you something, but I lost my train of thought. Uh, 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 Oh, come back to me. Let me... We were... Let me... So, um, I remember. So, the Boondock's not only controversial across some viewers for some of, like, the N-word and whatnot. There's actually a few bad episodes, right? Yes, there
1: is... Three. There's three. 3 Mm-hmm. the The first one I wouldn't call it banned; it just never aired. Was the um the BET episode where they were making fun yeah. of Reginald Hudlin because at the time he was the um he was the uh, the CEO of uh, B of uh, BET at the time.
0: Um. Yeah, and apparently he has an executive producer credit on the Boondocks because I think he was at one point involved in the process. Yeah, he still, guess-
1: he's yeah, he was the entire like the all the way through from the first season.
0: Yeah, but Aaron Magruder I think, had some kind of falling out, and that's partly why he makes fun of him so much. Right. Uh, but it's really funny they banned it not because of any sort of real conspiracy, because they, they just didn't want to piss him off.
1: Oh uh, no, that was the other. So, uh, what's it called? <laughs> it, was, it was the the Tyler Perry episode pause, where they were uh, making fun of him, saying that like he essentially leads a cult of his uh for his actors, and um, and that he was like uh, closeted closeted gay. And he was using, oh, okay. like, auditions and stuff to, like, you know, in order to, like, you know, have sex with men. And um they, like, and Tyler Perry essentially controlled all of, like, Turner because he had, like, a whole bunch of shows. They were producing some of his movies. And he was like, yo, like, if you don't pull this episode, I'm walking. And so they were like, all right, we will pull the episode.
0: So did it never air or did it air once and it just never got aired again? No, it aired, but then it, it
1: never aired again.
0: Okay, cause I, I didn't watch I never saw the episode when it was originally on the air. I had to like get the DVDs <laughs> and that's how I had to finally see that episode.
1: Oh yeah, no, like I I I remember waiting every Sunday night to, to watch this show. So every so every and Monday. then what was, that's two. What
0: was, that's two. What was the third band episode? Uh,
1: the third one was the uh, Uncle Ruckus uh, as a preacher. Mm. yes so uh, he had a dream from Ronald Reagan that he had to uh, preach the greatness of whiteness and when <laughs> he would die he would get into white heaven
0: <laughs> okay was that when it was airing or was that more recent because I know some episodes got pulled after George Floyd because a lot of networks just like knee jerk react uh... and it was, I remember the boot off was really stupid because like you're pulling a show made by a black creator <laughs> And there are episodes that like are being ironic and missing the point. So I don't know if that was one of the episodes or not. Uh,
1: I don't know because that was from the that was from the first season. So I don't I don't know.
0: For okay. uh, that that episode, or, or did it never air, or they just get pulled afterwards?
1: Uh, I think it was another one that never aired, and then I remember they started to air it again, and then they got pulled again. It it, it was a lot of back and forth going on with that episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, so you can say, like, yeah, the show show has a lot of, you know, controversy, just like the cartoon the comic strip. Like comic strip. Yeah, and it's just, they got jerked around a lot. Uh, okay, no, that's what it was. It was uh, Jimmy Rebo when they, because Moondogs finally came on HBO Max, that was June 2020, and they were, they were afraid that, like, people... Uh, we missed the joke or <laughs> miss kind of the the irony of some of things it was right down really,
1: dumb. really the, the Jimmy Rebel episode
0: yeah I don't even remember what that episode was about to it me. was <laughs> uh
1: what's it called uh, Uncle Ruckus was a big fan of this uh country country singer who was supposed to be like Johnny Cash but racist I mean but I also think Johnny Cash was racist I don't know I don't remember um and like he would send him some some songs and stuff. He was like, Wow, this is some great music and then he goes and sees him he was like, Wait, 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 you're black and you're making these songs? And um, you know, he's like, You know what? These yeah, are great I songs. Don't, I don't
0: remember I don't remember the episode at all.
1: Yeah, and then like he, he would him with him on tour and then like all the racists were like, No, I, I no, this this we don't we, we don't like him. Like he can sing any oh. song you want, but he's still black. You're right.
0: No, I do remember that now. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, so here we go. Now we're getting into the cartoon from, uh no the kickball game proper now. <laughs> that's a total that's a total homage to Samurai Champ The uh, tree <laughs> knocking over is when the building got knocked over when Mugin throws that mm-hmm, ball.
1: Throws ball. Yeah. Uh
0: also the big thing to know all the voice actors are all like kinda of big names too. Uh
1: yes, because I mean you have Regina King, she's the voice of um QE and Riley. <laughs>
0: Yeah, both of them.
1: Yeah, she's the voice of Hugh and yeah. Riley. Um we got John Witherspoon, rest in peace. He's the voice of Granddad. Um, yeah, and they
0: make, they make, they they they've they have a lot of fun <laughs> referencing his career and his other movies.
1: Yes. Um oh, I like this this Taiwanese uh kickball player. <laughs> um what's it called? And then you have uh let's see, who uh Cedric your bo you're your your Cedric what's his name? Cedric
0: Cedric Yarbrough?
1: Yes, he's the voice of uh Tom. Oh. And then you have um Gary Anthony Williams as the voice of Uncle Ruckus. If you don't know who yeah, that yeah, is.
0: Yeah, these he, are all these are all I think I think most
1: people He was the uh what was it called? He was the dad and uh <laughs> he was the he man. was the dad of Stevie I'm... and Malcolm in the middle.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say there. For uh, so, there's another great, there's another great like samurai shampoo, like with the two eyes and the sliding. I don't know what that technique is called. Uh,
1: extreme close-up.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's like just the two eyes, and they're kind of. It's just like
1: because it's supposed to be paying homage to like all those you know samurai films.
0: Yeah, also like westerns. I think they use use that technique a lot.
1: Uh, probably spaghetti westerns. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, spaghetti wrestling.
0: western because they they like those they influence a lot of the samurai movies of the era and vice versa. And vice
1: versa, yeah, it was uh very uh it's kind of like uh, Tezuka and uh, Disney. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: man, that grandma, like yo, she 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 used to make me cry because like yo, she out here doing backflips and stuff and have no teeth. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, you can tell the, the the animation budget was great on this, just the way they throw the ball.
1: Oh yeah, like season three had has the best animation out of all the seasons. Well, I keep saying out of all the seasons because season, there there was a fourth season, but we don't like to talk about the fourth season because it was terrible from beginning yeah, to cause
0: end. Because uh, Aaron McGruder was not involved at all. Yes, no, season. he was
1: not involved. It, was, it was the uh, other you can tell the shows.
0: I never watched. I never. I don't think I even bothered to watch it at all.
1: Uh, I did and it was it was just terrible. Cause um they they did an episode where granddad was gonna marry a Kardashian. Um they had another one called Freedom Town, where it's like essentially all the black people had become indentured servants and they had to play as slaves at this amusement I just, park.
0: I saw there was, was like a breaking brad. Like a baking brad. Baking, breaking, breaking bad. bad parody.
1: Yes, there was but it's like when
0: you you know what like the red eye. Yeah. Yeah, you know they're running out of ideas, when they're just trying to speak whatever's most popular.
1: Mm. Yeah, because I think because I think Breaking Bad at the time was on its last season, either on its last season or it had just ended.
0: Here we go. There's also, the the trade off of season three being such good quality that it also took the longest. <laughs> I remember it was such a long time between season two and season three. Oh uh,
1: yeah, it was about uh. Two years, yeah, yeah, because like... I, I remember season two, I was a sophomore, and then season three, I was a junior. So, I mean, a uh, uh, senior, pause.
0: <laughs> so yeah, grad. I forgot that grad had to play for some reason. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's the main character. He has to play.
0: I mean, I just, I just don't really remember the rule. I thought they were all kids. I don't remember the rules. I'm no, not
1: to yeah, the rules it, it was, uh, it was split between kids and adults. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, Tom. Tom played um, Ed once. Uh, Ed onceler the third. What's dang, What's his name?
0: Oh, the his kid.
1: Yeah, the, the, his grandson.
0: The the the, the Wigger.
1: Yeah.
0: Am I, am I allowed to say that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ask you said like. Is that is that is that is that your word, not mine, or is that a word nobody can say? It's, I feel like it's no word I don't know where says. these it's lines just, it's just are anymore. A
1: terrible word. And then, oh man, my, they hit the time Guy with brass to. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not
0: gonna. I'm not gonna edit that out. So.
1: <laughs> and then, um, oh, uh, what's his name? Jin? Jen.
0: In
1: Samurai Champloo? No, the the third. I forget because because I mean his friend. It's Jim
0: Remy. That's yeah. that's the, that's
1: Samuel Jackson's character. But I'm um, nope. thinking of uh, Charlie Murphy. What did they call him? I don't even remember. But
0: whatever. Um, yeah. This is this is really reminded me of the Simpsons episode where they uh, they're playing baseball. He playing
1: baseball, they like Daryl. Daryl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh,
0: god. <laughs> we, we should have Pete on back. We should do that episode.
1: <laughs> Man, yo, I love that episode.
0: Yeah, and I don't even know. Any, like most of my baseball knowledge comes from that. Like I didn't no know. I think I did know, the exception Ken Griffey Jr. I had no idea who any of those players were except until that episode. Really. Cause I'm not, I'm not a sports guy. And I was definitely not a base. I'm definitely not a baseball guy.
1: Oh okay. I mean, I felt like I don't know. Like I well, I I used to love baseball as a kid. Like baseball was probably like one of my favorite sports. And then um as I got older,
0: like I just I fell off. Oh yeah. This is, this is the great the great twist here is that like uh, the glorious sports rehabilitation center. So yeah, they're playing the same trick. This is also, ironically, probably a little more true to life than I think McGruger intended. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the failed athletes get put way in detention camps, and it tugs on a uh, on a human's heartstrings.
1: Right, and then now it's like, holy crap! Like this is what the
0: the um you you U- what are U- they called? Muslims? Yes,
1: or we essentially going through.
0: Yep. Of course, some people don't believe that, but you know, those people are crazy. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh...
1: <laughs> the ref strangled himself, jump off a bridge, and then overdose on antifreeze.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Oh, the subtitles shows a mock Chinese, and I really wish I had the sound on so I could I could just laugh at hearing the mock Chinese.
1: <laughs> he said, "Open up your eyes and let's play some jap baseball."
0: <laughs> so- <laughs> it's so bad, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> all right. Let me, let me hear you, listeners. See, I'm Asian, and I think it's funny. So you're not allowed to be offended. Uh, so, yeah, this is, the, this is the great bit. This is the great bit I love is that, yeah, they're all they're all secretly talking in Chinese and talking
1: Yo, shit that was Yo, that was the best part.
0: And then and the he twist was like, is that he actually does he speak He actually Chinese.
1: understands. I was like, yo, and he started murdering uh,
0: them. If I, if I had the sound on, I could tell. I could, like. I yep. wish I had the sound that I could hear what kind, of, which Chinese, which dialect it is. It's probably i take a guess. It's probably Mandarin though. Uh, I would assume Mandarin, too. Wow. Oh yeah, so yeah, this is, this is this is great. Yeah, the the Huey just yeah, this is again like like in Samurai Champloo going full. <laughs> 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 it's just like all Dragon Ball Z with these moves. Yeah. He's
1: just out here, literally kicking the ball and knocking these people out. Look at this!
0: Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the ball is like not even, not even trying to make it look realistic. It just like curving, curve doing all these crazy curves. Yeah. Yeah, and that 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 that, that, that like freeze frame montage that's way from Chandler Champlin, The Baseball Blues.
1: And I think the, the like the funniest part about it though is like towards, <laughs> at the at the end where. It's just down to the two players, and they started singing "Um, the Star Spangled Banner."
0: <laughs> yeah, this is, this is just so so funny. Uh, also, I was gonna say Uncle Ruckus was like super racist. Like, don't I can smell your cat flavor, Beth. Get get your get on your rickshaw. Get out of here. <laughs> it's like, so racist, but it's pretty funny.
1: Oh god, and they have a fake umpire. They got the American flag. Oh, is America the Beautiful? My fault. the Star we'll Spangled
0: Cause sports, I don't know if it's other countries, but like America, it's still tied in with with Americanness, right? Like every fucking every fucking sports game, they have to sing. You have to sing These, cycle, yeah, man. You
1: have to swing the start the national anthem.
0: That's why. That's why I banned it from this podcast, Phil. Your jingoism. Your nationalism.
1: Okay. Well, look at this. Huey's essentially wrapping this kickball with key throws it up and then kicks it and it turns into <laughs> fire. The little girl kicks it back and turns yeah, this into is what fire talking. snapping both her tibia and fibula and Huey catches the ball snapping both his radius and ulna. Yeah,
0: it's total, that's totally for Shadow Shocker with a little bit of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah.
1: And, you know, the ball pop, and the, those red balls supposed to be indestructible. And look at Ming struggling to crawl to first base.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, so you just gonna tag her with like the, the the burst remains of the ball.
1: Yes, the smoldering remains of the ball.
0: Yeah, this is uh it also reminds me of Spike's family. They they make the same kind of joke with treating dodgeball like it's like it's life or death.
1: And I think as a I think as a kid, right, it essentially is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because like, you know, you you're playing dodgeball, you got you're trying to stay in as long as possible, you're doing all these crazy tricks, you're 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 doing splits to dodge the ball, you're like jumping from side to side. You Although
0: I don't know if schools even allow dodgeball to be played anymore. Oh yeah, not anymore. Oh, I was gonna say like I know the schools in Portland probably stopped it. I don't even know what schools like like the schools in New York, the Bronx, would they stopped it too at this point.
1: I would think they would, but uh, who knows? I'm I'm pretty sure they I'm pretty sure they would stopped it.
0: Yeah, because uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think past second grade, we stopped playing dodgeball.
1: Man, I remember so. playing dodgeball all the way up until eighth grade.
0: Wow. Yeah, middle, 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 wow, man, your your middle school is than mine. Yep. So that's uh that's the episode the Red Ball. Great, great funnier one.
1: Oh yes, I also forget that I guess he's not he's not uh Taiwanese, he's uh, Tibetan, the guy, and he's also played, his voice is played by um Donnie Bosch. No, not Donnie, what's his name?
0: Oh Dante, yeah, yeah. Um Zuko. Yes. Dante Bosco. Thank you, Dante Bosco. Yeah, he was also Rufio in uh, a terrible, got terrible uh, Peter Pan movie, <laughs> Hook. Oh yeah, so there we you were right in the in Hook. Yeah. All right. Let's go with the final one, this is one of my personal favorites. It's funny you think is that for this one there were references that we I understood that you did it and references you understood that I did it. <laughs> so this is called. Stink Meter three to hateocracy. Yes, uh, give you a little bit of context. This is actually like a sequel episode, right?
1: Yes, this is the sequel to the previous Stink meaner episodes. Stink Minter was this very mean old man who uh, who spread hate everywhere he went. He was blind, uh, but still drove his car. And uh, the first meeting with the Freeman family, they were going to the mall, and he drives and like back, and he rams his car into. Uh, uh, granddad's car, which ended up turning into a fight. And Stink Meter beating the crap... Well, he didn't beat the crap out of granddad, but he kept hitting him in his bad knee with his cane. Um, everyone And everyone thought he was a blind samurai. Um, until you realize he was...
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a blind, blind swordsman joke. Yeah. And then, like, and I remember, like, Huey has to train... He has to train granddad. And he uses... And, it, and I remember, because, like, some of the lines he uses are from Bruce Lee.
1: Yes. So...
0: At the end of it, and then, and then, they
1: so just he realized. fights
0: Stick Meter, right, and then Stick Meter actually dies, but not from anything Granddad does, right? No, he
1: no, no, Granddad kills him.
0: Okay, okay, sure.
1: Yeah, no, like his yeah. Meter got lucky because his foot touched his cane, and that's how Stink Meter was able to dodge. And, and right, right, he did. He wasn't
0: like the blind, the blind swordsman at all.
1: Exactly, because he just kept swinging his cane wildly, and Granddad was just punching the was beating. Yeah, the brakes so he died,
0: him. and then the... So he died. The sequel, where the the second one was like basically a spoof of the, the exorcist. Yes. So Stink Meter
1: ends up in hell, but then he calls the but he makes fun of the devil and the devil decides to train him in the ways of martial arts. Um and then sends him back to earth to uh, to rain hell on uh, the Freeman family, so he takes over. So this introduces so these episodes introduce the idea of the nigga moment which is essentially uh, uh a moment in time where an actual rational black person becomes over so over overwhelmed with rage they tend to just <laughs> yeah. act out irresponsibly and it, and it just turns into a mess
0: so now, i remember that joke because like because like the funniest far as that but he bumps into a white guy and he's about to do it, like, wait a minute, I'm white! Yeah, and he, so he just walks, walks away. away.
1: He's like, wait, why are you walking away? This is a perfectly, opportun- perfectly good opportunity to throw away your life.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it becomes like a spoof of the extra that he, t- he possesses, I think, Tom. Yes, yeah, so right? he possesses Tom then- during,
1: during a moment, and then, like, he... You know, they they, parry, uh, they parody uh, Dave Chappelle when he's in the court. He's like, yo, fuck your court. And he's, like, you know, stomping on the, on the table. Um, yeah, but then because of,
0: like, another actual, like, martial arts fight. Yes. Or between, between him and Granddad and Huey and Riley. Yes, and he's
1: just whooping all their asses. And it wasn't until uh, they, what's it called? They got him on the floor. Then Riley started, I mean, Granddad pinned him to the floor and started hitting him with, uh, like, I guess yeah,
0: bosses. yeah, yeah, they get him out eventually. So, this is actually the follow up. I think it's the last Snake Meter episode, right? Thing,
1: uh, no, it's not the last Snake Meter episode. Oh,
0: okay. Was yeah. there one in like season four or something? Like yeah, they
1: show him up in season four. They make a clone of him to, to box Granddad. Oh,
0: okay. we, 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 need, we don't even know about that. Yeah, so let's get started. Uh, Snake Meter 3, The Hatocracy, our final boondock watch for the episode. Three, two, one, let's go. Uh, also, the internet—it's been really crappy, so I'll have to edit. Hopefully, <laughs> you're gonna have to send me. Hopefully, your your end is fine.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, a lot, a lot of the Skype—it's been having weird, weird internet Skype issues. Uh, uh But yeah, I love this one personally because it has Fushicho Brown, who's like one of my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I love that character so much that the working title for our comic was Fushicho
1: Brown. Yes, and you know he was also voiced by uh, Michael J. White.
0: Yeah, the sec this time. The first time, he was a much shorter. Appearance. It was uh, some other. It was, yeah, I think it was one of the other uh, series regulars,
1: probably. And yeah, I but know. it was really
0: fun because that was also like a, a Bruce, a Bruce Lee homage. You're like, man, you sound like you sound like someone from a comic strip, <laughs> which was yeah. The, the the double both the meta layer, but also the fact that it's uh to Jim Kelly and the Dragon. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just
1: throwing Jasmine. So so what's happening is uh, a bunch of Colonel Stinkmeaners are essentially running into the house and invading. Uh, uh, they first capture Sarah, and they bring her outside. Um, Granddad pulls Tom as him and the boys run away, and he picks up Jasmine. Um, they get to the top of the stairs. He goes, you know what? This is going to slow them down, and throws Jasmine into meaner. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, that was a cool shot. That was really cool. He jumps over the fence. That was really well well animated shot.
1: I think that was a shot. I think they used a rotary scroll.
0: Okay, I was gonna say it's a shot that like is really hard to do in animation.
1: Yeah. And there's some
0: kind of there's some kind of song that. I'm assuming is really cool. It's playing, but it's it's subtitles. (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember the first half of this at all. Actually, I only remember the second half. That's. Yeah, you know, it's a great fight scene.
1: Yeah, because the the first half is all like essentially set up because um all the all the the characters that come are based off of characters from old black sitcoms.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which is which you had to explain to me because I didn't get that because I didn't watch any of those growing up.
1: Yeah, so that's that's all I watched growing up. Okay, oh,
0: hey, I think I watched the parent. well no. Well, the first one I watched no. That was not the era I watched was Parenthood, Sister Sister, Moesha. I did not watch Steve Harvey show because uh, I was, I'll be honest, I was too young to get the joke, yeah. <laughs> the jokes on that one. Fresh Prince of There we go. Yeah. Okay. Oh,
1: Classic. So, yeah, one. I, I saw. I remember watching Steve Harvey show because it had the the girl from all that on there, and I was like, oh, that's cool.
0: I don't know. I don't know what. I've never. I don't know what that show is. You never seen all that? <laughs> I probably have. Maybe I just don't know it. It
1: was like uh, SNL for kids on uh, Nickelodeon. Never,
0: never mind. No. I tell you, I didn't. I didn't have cable till fourteen. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, so they're going just rewinding through the. Well, I guess I can't say it, right? Yes.
1: Can, so they're they explaining what what a negative moment is, but then when you have nigga synthesis now. <laughs> Which is perpetual bonding <laughs> over really dumb stuff. So then now, with that moment added with the synthesis, right, it becomes a complete disaster. So you have to, you know, remember this formula uh, for the rest of this episode. Yeah. yeah.
0: So this is, this is like, this. you can tell this is going to be one of the sillier episodes of the Boondocks. Not a ton of commentary. It's more of them having fun. <laughs> the members of the Hayocrity. So who are they? Who are each of them? Are... What are they parodying?
1: So the the guy with the uh, with the bucket hat is a parody of um what's it called? JJ Evans from Good Times. Okay. And then the uh, the guy with the the really old guy with like the really crabby with the really deep voice, he is um, parodying uh, Fred Stanford from Stanford and Sons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the the lady is parodying, um Aunt Esther from Sanford and Sons as well.
0: Okay, uh, I thought I thought I was gonna say I thought she'd say she's what's her name from the Jeffersons because that you know.
1: Yeah, I, I thought I, th- I thought so too, but no, I was I was wrong. It's it's the the woman from uh, Sanford and Sons.
0: Yep. Uh, so yeah, this is gonna be one of the more silly episodes it's just it's just them having having their fun like everybody indulging in martial arts. Uh, indulgence, oh, yeah. but yeah you know, it's a great it's a great episode. Really well animated too. Like I would love to see Ermingruder come on and do some, like some kind of really cool action cartoon.
1: Right, because I mean, because after the Boondocks, he went and shifted to uh, Black Jesus, which also had a very sporadic season release.
0: Yeah, I never saw it. I just I don't know. I didn't know if it was good or not.
1: Uh, no, it was good. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I haven't seen it all the way through, but it it was good.
0: Yeah, uh, and J. J Edgar Hoover Elementary School. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, there's, uh, yeah, I wish I had the sound I could tell who voice, because I can't hear any of their voices.
1: Yeah, I have no idea who voiced who voiced him either. Let me, matter of fact, let me go ahead and look this up real quick.
0: All right, but yeah, definitely, this is all stuff that's in the comic that he doesn't really get to enjoy because it's all basically political social commentary. So the anime allows him to take advantage of it a lot more with uh, a lot, a lot of action, a lot of kung fu, a lot of. It's a lot. was very cartoony as well. It's like yeah. <laughs> Because the comic is, like, fairly grounded in reality, right?
1: Oh, definitely. There's, like, no fantasy aspect to it at all.
0: Yeah, with the, with the exception of Jasmine being gone for two years. <laughs> That's because of terrorists.
1: Oh, uh, yes. All right, so let's see. So uh, the dude with the, the really deep, raspy voice, he's voiced by Ari's Spears, who is a uh, comedian. Oh, we, can't
0: talk. we can't talk about him now. <laughs>
1: You can't, what can we talk about? It? You oh, speaking? you don't
0: know? Oh, man. I'll tell you after the podcast. Oh. He, he's just some awful shit. Oh, my God. This weekend. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is great. Now, now we're seeing like the, the little surprise that these three old black people are like incredibly skilled kung fu,
1: kung fu masters. Right. Uh, let's see. The woman, she's voiced by B.B. Drake. I don't know who that is. Hmm. And let's see the guy who clearly looks like JJ Evans, and then look at I'll the, out here flying.
0: Yeah, did they? So this was this all invented in time for the cartoon? Or Did they ever reference that like Huey knows martial arts in the comic?
1: Uh, it was referenced that Huey Art- knew martial arts in the comic. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, because I know another the thing I love is that Riley for all this tough guy, gangster act, can't fight for shit.
1: Right, which is funny because, like, Riley is actually, like, much stronger than your average eight-year-old. Um, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Because, like, I mean, he held his own against Stink Meter for a while and, uh, against this old lady, even though he was getting whooped. Uh, let's. Oh, and Carl Jones is the voice of, um, the JJ Evans, so.
0: Mm, okay. So, yeah, this is, uh,. Oh, is that, is that the guy talking to that Granddad at the with the the crab metaphor?
1: No, that's uh, what's his name? That's Ari, that's Ari Spears.
0: Okay. Oh God. All right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, this yeah, this is a good classic. Uh, master the flying guillotine. Yes. Classic. I think it's a Shaw Brothers film. So might not be. I'm not sure. yeah, it's that guy I'm kung fu sure, master sure with this this flying guillotine. I was
1: gonna say it's crazy. Like this whole the the analogy he does in the beginning before the fight, right? The whole crab crabs in a barrel. And like pulling down, like yo, yeah. oh, that's it's that's, like yo, that's so deep. And then you know, well, it's
0: it's basically them. It's yeah, exactly. basically like why, like why, 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 why? That's what the whole joke behind the the moment. That I'm not gonna say it because yeah. <laughs> dear white people said that. <laughs> but it's just like yeah, black people spend too much time bringing each other down, All
1: right?
0: Over over dumb beefs. But yeah, this, this yeah this this fight choreography is really well done <laughs> with the, the animation of it.
1: Yes. So it's funny. So the uh, scene of the old woman like fighting Riley is taken from uh, a Naruto episode mm, okay. where Sasuke is fighting Ruchi which they take in rotary scope from a Bruce Lee film.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it makes sense that Eric is a fan of that, and uh. <laughs> on my face. <laughs> I was gonna say, when he was like throwing around the, the, the guillotine around the water, it reminded me of Samurai Champlain. When,
1: uh, oh, when they were Jim... fighting the the big the boss guy,
0: yeah, 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 the, the god, the, the hand of God,
1: yeah,
0: finale. Yeah, uh,
1: and then, uh, you got Robert out here using his, his godly skills with the with his belt, which I always thought was pretty cool and wasn't used. Yeah, I think it should have been used more.
0: Uh, I think I mean I think that's kind of the joke is that he's he's only he's not he's also a crappy fighter. <laughs> he's okay with the belt. And that's what it wasn't in, in the Meter too, right? That's like
1: yeah, he's I doing pretty badly. Was, yeah, and he, he had to use his belt.
0: so yeah, this is the great joke is that uh, <laughs> Stikmier hated these three guys and they all hate each other. Just as much, but they
1: they hated everyone else more.
0: <laughs> yeah, There's just this mutual alliance of, of evil essentially,
1: right? In his younger years, I like how in younger years you know he was part of the hateocracy. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like these uh, these vignettes of the of the characters, which I thought was really cool, done by um, Song Un Song Un Kim. Uh, Sung Eun Kim.
0: <laughs> just running over the uh, lady with her tr- tracks right i was gonna say like the anime like the animation and the fight scene is better than i would say most anime
1: <laughs> oh yeah because like a lot of anime you gotta they are um what's it called uh doing a lot of that stupid cutaway where it's like a still shot for the action which i mean of course is a budgetary thing
0: yeah, I admit, yeah. There's a reason why it took two years for season three <laughs> to do it because they they just put so much on the quality. Yeah. Uh, makes me a little makes me a little sad that we can't get season four. Who knows what what could kind have of, what crazy hijinks we got got out of? Is this where? Oh, I was gonna say they're gonna bring on they're gonna bring him on yet.
1: See, but I think the, the, the craziest thing about that, though, is that I think every – thinking about it, like, every season was essentially two years apart. Because, um, like I said earlier, right? Because, like, the first season came out when I was in eighth grade. The second season came out when I was a sophomore in high school. And then uh, season three came out when I was a senior in high school.
0: And I was going to say, I was like – first season came out when I was in high school. Second season came out when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Third season, I think I was already out of college. <laughs>
1: Oh, I think I already I just
0: graduated. Oh wow! See, so here we go. This is this, this is my this is my this is my jam here. Yeah, Grandmaster Pachito Brown, voiced by Michael J. White, uh, famous black actor, martial artist.
1: Yes, known for his I'm role, role as uh, Spawn.
0: Spawn. Yeah, I was gonna say this probably better movie season than most people uh, know. From.
1: Black Dynamite, which is a black
0: black Dynamite. There we go. Black Dynamite. Black buff. Dynamite. Movie and the animation,
1: the animated one. Yeah, and...
0: bronze uh, um, Tiger and Arrow. Yes, bronze uh, Tiger
1: and Arrow. And um, I think he was Jax in the Mortal Kombat live-action thing for Machinima.
0: Yeah, and also he was in The Dark Knight. He was... Uh, <laughs> oh, yes,
1: he was the guy that the Joker stabbed with the pencil
0: <laughs> Yeah. He's in it for such a short time, but that's probably the biggest... In terms of like the most prestigious movie he's been That's that's it. All right. But yeah, there's uh Bruce Bradley's got the classic like uh Bruce Lee, yellow and black, stripe, uh Gheeps on Washington's jumpsuit. jumpsuit. Yeah. And uh yeah, Bushido just like milking milking granddad for all the money he's got. It's <laughs> um. also a great homage that he's a reference to I mean he, a lot of his movies are Bruce Lee, but he's also a reference to uh Jim Kelly. Yes. Who was, who was in inner uh, Dragon*?
1: Yes, and uh, Jim Kelly has his own um, his own movie as well. I can never remember the name of it.
0: Black Belt, Black Belt Jones. Yes,
1: he was required twelve hundred and Wagyu Kobe beef flown straight from <laughs> Japan in a Tuki toki toilets because he can't wipe his own ass. <laughs> yeah.
0: And he's just beating up random guys. Uh, that reminds me, I need to tell you, I changed, I changed the main character's name in our comic.
1: Oh, okay. I like how he's like punching him, punching him, punching him, and then stops him and comes <laughs> keeps punching him again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shoot around, kind of an because we didn't really get to see much of his character in the first time he showed up, he was just there the... The fight, Huey.
1: Pretty much, yeah, because he was just there as like this bodyguard that had to be overcome in order to kidnap Oprah.
0: Yeah, but now here we go. This is this is where this is where and this this here is why it's one of my favorite episodes. Uh, this this is the the money scene coming up. So the pedocracy <laughs> has arrived, and his granddad's willing to pay for Brown what he wants to, to hire him back as his bodyguard. <laughs>
1: Which is, I think, is uh, double.
0: Yeah, double the fee. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is this is great. This is uh, the greatest Black Rocky man to ever live. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and like another thing too is that at the end of the episode, the police officer who comes and um, arrests them as well is um, also voiced by Michael J. White.
0: Yeah, so there we go. Yeah, he's in. It's great fight scene. I mean, also he does the same like like, yells that Bruce like
1: Lee Bruce does. Bruce Lee does, yeah.
0: It's even doing the same, like, combat stance and, like, skipping back and forth. Yeah, it's like really... A like, lot, a lot of a lot of, the, a lot of, Bruce Lee homages.
1: Yeah, it's really, um, really um, delving into that, that Jeet Kune Do.
0: Yeah, there's one coming up soon that I actually can tell you which movie it's from.
1: Because uh, isn't uh, the, man, the, the stomp on the ground, isn't that from Enter the Dragon as well?
0: It's from Enter the Dragon, yeah, because that's how he finishes off.
1: The the guy yeah. in, during the, the Kumite.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the it's not the That's a different movie. <laughs> but sure.
1: Wait, that's a different movie.
0: That's for that's for that a Bloodsport reference? No. Okay. Into the Dragon. Yeah, I know, but this is also what oh, they say. Yeah, no, Bloodsport. No, 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 yes, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Bloodsport.
1: Yes.
0: Cause like I said, because they brought it up on She Hulk, and I was like, why do I know that word? Oh, it's from Bloodsport." Yeah. But yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's uh. <laughs> yeah. So he beats he beats. Oh, there we go. This is. So he beats what's her He beats the old lady, but now they're just gang up two on one. Uh, this makes me a little sad. I think the really the only reason they beat him is just because they they outnumber him. <laughs> uh,
1: I think the funniest part is like my wig when it flew off. Um, but yeah, I mean that was that was that was the whole thing. And then like I mean one of them is wearing a what wep- is has has a weapon.
0: So yeah, flying. Oh, I forgot that they actually show us. Yeah, <laughs> his head getting cut off. Yeah, which is ironically far more bloodier and goreier than anything you see in *Master of the Flying Guillotine*.
1: Oh yeah, because honestly, like when his head flew off, like I was not expecting that at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all gonna die now. This is your fault, Granddad. <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, then yeah, here we go. It's like a very TV moment here. Grand Granddad apologizing. Hopefully we're all going to learn a lesson. We'll see. Who who's the other people? Or is that is that his entourage? Who? Uh, it's like the sky behind Grandad. Oh yeah, that's,
1: yeah, that's that's the the two the, the two people we eyed. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this is uh well a lot some of our comic a little bit inspired by this Vachiro Brown. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, this is a great part is that they didn't like him either. <laughs> they didn't actually give a shit right. about him.
1: They were just They were just doing this to you know, mess with people's lives.
0: That's why we drink Hennessy. That's why we smoke menthols.
1: smoke menthols. That's why I <laughs> uh, Yeah,
0: this is, this is so such a great moment. Oh, no. I forgot the ending to this because usually I just remember the fight scene.
1: Oh, the the police show up.
0: Okay, who snitched? You call the fofo, yeah, Riley.
1: Yeah, he's like, oh, thank God for the police. It's the police. He's like, wait, who snitched? Yep,
0: murder, murder, for shit.
1: Yeah, he's like, that's how, uh, and that's and that's how you end those moments by calling the police. But that's <laughs> also very wrong.
0: So, so go. We shouldn't call the police, or we should. We should call the police. I'd say
1: start taking boxing lessons. That's my opinion. Um,
0: okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's better than what some people think in Portland are going to do. Uh. Anyways, that's the end of our watch. Stick Meter Three: The Hadeocracy. End of the Boondocks. Great, great, mm. great show. Great comic. Uh, if you can get your hands on it. You know, I recommend it. You know, some of the... A lot of the comics can be dated, but it is a pretty pivotal moment in, in that that type of comic, social commentary. And really, because that, kind of, that kind of comic doesn't really exist anymore.
1: No, it doesn't. I mean, well, I think Doomsbury is still active, ain't it?
0: Yeah, but Doomsbury is not political, right? Uh, I don't uh, it has it. its moments. It's not. It's definitely not as political as the Boondocks. I don't think anything ever was as biting as the Boondocks.
1: Um, uh... Yeah, no. Oh well yeah. I mean it depends on when you're reading. So like Doomsbury has some stuff. Um what's that other stupid comic? Um not Luan. Luan was terrible.
0: Yeah, so don't read newspaper comics. Just just watch <laughs> watch the animated versions. Uh, on that, I'm Eric Wong.
1: I'm Full Fleming. And uh we are just because we're in the sake of the whole, um, you know, comic strip for the newspaper. We are, I think, what is it, Spin City?
0: I didn't know that was based on a comic.
1: No, it's not based on a comic. I said comic strip. I'm pretty sure they were in a newspaper, or was that the? No, that, they were in a mayor's office. Um, yeah,
0: that's Michael J. Fox. Right. Yeah, yeah, I remember Michael J. Fox. All right, we're Spin, we're Spin City. Spin sure, City. <laughs> we're Spin City, everyone. <laughs>